we always want to meet a certain target or certain numbers every month and the currency um, that I realized through this couple of months is the currency of kindness that everyone has, um, helping one another through it all. I'm Danny Vallant and this is Dirty Linen, the podcast that takes the issues the hospitality industry finds hard to air in public and shakes them all about. Denise Hung is an international student in lockdown in Kingsville in Melbourne's western suburbs. I met her through the soup project that I'm doing with Attica. I dropped off some soup and groceries and sent her money to buy a Mikey card. Denise is so much more than an international student sitting in an apartment waiting for someone to bring her soup. She's an incredible person with so many skills, such an interesting backstory. And I just think she's an amazing person to bring a different perspective on life in lockdown and the challenges and opportunities in the hospitality industry in general. So thank you so much, Denise, for being part of Dirty Linen. Thanks, Danny, for having me here this morning. I think um, you've got such an interesting take on the current situation and yeah, the problems and possible solutions for people that work in hospitality. So I, I know it's a big thing to say, tell me a little bit about yourself because there is so much to say, but I'll let you give it a go. Uh, yeah, I will try. I think you gave a really good summary of um, how I arrived in Melbourne. Um, I moved to Melbourne two years ago to further my studies. Um, so I initially was studying the tropity and I swapped to Chinese medicine. But before that, um, I was a pastry cook back in Malaysia and Singapore. And prior to that, I had my um, training in pastry in Orlando, Florida, at what's previously known as the Le Cordon Bleu. Um, so I moved around in the States and prior to that, I was also studying psychology in the UK. So throughout that whole journey, um, the hospitality and food and beverage business has always been the backbone of how I finance myself through university and through life. Um, and yeah, it's always been there um, for me. So I know that you were working at a local cafe near where you live in the Western suburbs, um, but I guess lockdown has put a temporary pause to that. You were also doing something else uh, with uh, chefs and hospitality workers. Tell us about that. Yeah, so prior to the lockdown, I was teaching chefs um, yoga and meditation in the city, um, in the CBD area in Melbourne. Um, and when the lockdown happened, um, everyone was pretty tight with their budget. So obviously I was the first one out of the budget um, because they, they had to pay suppliers and you know full-time staff and I was not um, considered as priority. But to my surprise, um, chefs came together and you know helped me back and say, no, we really need this class even though you know the restaurant wouldn't, pay for it um but they they really needed a class and i guess without covid or isolation i wouldn't have known the impact that i had on the chefs and um the hospitality crew i had chefs come up to me and tell me you know thank you so much for all your time i have struggled throughout the year with um, my own stress and anxiety and in just general depression of um i guess what you face in the high intense environment and introducing yoga to their life was a way to help themselves manage this mental stress um, and they were so they find find being on the mat in that four corners and within that 
that center space, you know, gave them the capacity to just breathe and be themselves and not have all this, I guess, identity or roles as being as the chefs or having that pressure. So yeah, so that was what I was, I was doing before that. What, what do you think it is about yoga that resonates particularly with chefs? Why does it such an impact on them? Um, I think just the capacity to just sit in a space and just breathe. Um, when, you know, just yoga, meditation and the movement of body. And it's so hard to, to not move as a chef because you're always standing. You're always in this very physical, high-intensity place and, you know, the pressure is so high. And then coming down to a space where it's quiet and, you know, still... There's a lot of things that comes out in the stillness. And as we can see right now in the isolation, everyone's really frustrated staying indoor because they can't move, they can't, they can't do things. But when there's stillness, there's also truth. So they, they kind of sit back and reflect on themselves. You know, what did I do through the day? Um, or what, is, what is my purpose of doing this? You know, And also, why am I here to cook? or even serve, um, you know, not just chefs as well as this front of the house crew. Um, and think just the time to reflect on the day. Um, that's also part of yoga, which is physical, and you kind of understand your body a lot more. And your physical um, body holds a lot of pain and trauma sometimes without realizing. And, you know, as chefs, we always have injuries. And for me personally, you know, I struggle with like a lot of back injuries in my younger days, working 60 to 80 hours or even more. Um, and wrist injuries because of holding the knives or the wrists. So all that kind of pain and trauma shows up when you are still um, at the end of the day. And yeah. So do you think that we could think about isolation or lockdown as one long yoga class? Oh yeah, definitely. I think this is an opportunity to, <laughs> <laughs> to kind of reflect and ask yourself why am I doing or what have I been doing for the last couple of years? You know, what's the purpose of working in this restaurant or in this cafe? What's the purpose of my role as a barista or as a shoe chef or you know, a pastry cook or even a dishy, you know? Yeah. Have you encountered people in, you know, the, the restaurants that you know? I know the, the Inner West is a really tight community. Have you talked to people that work in those places that are having time and headspace to think about those things? Um, in the Inner West in Melbourne, a lot of chefs are struggling with um, the finance situation, obviously, um, but also not able to feed um, the wider community. Um, I think the, the biggest stress they, they face is how to pay their staff and how to keep everyone. Um, but it also gives them an opportunity to ask, you know, what can I do with my space? I know a really good restaurant um, down the road turned their, their restaurant into a bakery. And the chef um, also lived around the corner from me. I was like, oh, I really always wanted a bakery. This is my opportunity because you don't really have to confine uh, you know, your customers in a space, you can just take the bread and go away. And, he, you know, the community came together and you're fundamentally still feeding people. Um, and that's what you do anyway. So you're just feeding people through another way and you're utilizing your other skills that you, perhaps you you honored before, but you didn't know that it was still there. And you could teach your staffs as well, you know, 
at this time, it's important to be resilient and versatile with your with your talents. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I think like that sounds really good and it is so nice to find something within yourself that you can honour in a new way through adversity. But the financial stress and, you know, that stress of a business that's on the precipice, that is so real as well. I mean, do you have any strategies that people can use the, uh, to help them through that? Um, I think the community I am in, it's very fortunate. Um, we have, um, you know, the government is supporting hospitality um, and it's it's great. Everyone's reaching out to one another for help. Um, there's like your project is great, you know, helping the hospitality crew um, and international students as well, um, or even visa holders. How we can use this ability to help one another and currency and finances. I guess it's it's really hard topic to talk about because we always want to know. Um, you know, we always want to meet a certain target or certain numbers every month. And the currency um, that I realized through this couple of months is the currency of kindness that everyone has, um, helping one another through it all. I mean, if you just ask and reach out and be like, you know, I really need help in this situation. What can I do? Um, what is important to me? Um, really ask yourself as a business um, what why are we here you know what can we cut down on and what is really really essential what is not essential and is what your value of running this business is for is it to to feed people is it you know really to to be part of this community um yeah i think the tools that i could could really advise i guess anyone in this situation is to look beyond you know, the, the stress levels and also take a step back and ask yourself what is really crucial at this moment. Um, I mean, there's so many things to think about um, running a restaurant. There's so many values that we want to in place um, through the resources that we have, the relationship that we built with our suppliers and purveyors. I mean, we all want to hold that very dear to our heart, but it's also that reality of um, community that we want to have within our space and it's really nice to see my regular customers um, come together and support you know the cafes and restaurants around my area as well and you see really how everyone's so passionate to keep everyone happy there's so much humility and vulnerability in what you're saying isn't there yeah, I think there is a lot um, that we could really learn from this situation and I, everyone is really boggled down with what they don't have. And I think it's nice to look at what we have instead of kind of trying to pinpoint what was it previously before and take this opportunity as, um, you know, a growing spurt. I often tell people that COVID-19, sometimes it's um, the best thing that happens in my life. And people take a step back and be like, are you, are you kidding me? <laughs> but I tell them <laughs> it is because, you know, I wouldn't have had the opportunity to talk to you or, you know, meet different people um, and be very grateful for a cup of coffee from a cafe or, you know, the kindness that I receive from my friends and, um, and knowing how important 
health is, I mean, I've, I've always practiced yoga and meditation throughout my 10 years of being in hospitality. Um, and I know that health is very important, but I think even so now, because yeah, of the situation, and we do take it for granted that we have forever to live and the freedom to do anything. But we, I think having all this restriction make us realize the value of um, the impact and, you know, just having what we have, the necessities. Have you seen that when you've been working at the cafe, working front of house as you've been doing, have you seen your customers appreciate what you're able to give them in a different way? Yeah, I have seen a lot of that. Um, Instead of going, oh, thank you for this cup of coffee, they look at you in the eye and say, thank you for this cup of coffee with a whole sincerity because this is perhaps the only way to get out of the house is taking you know, a short walk to the cafe around the corner. Um, yeah, and I guess a lot of them are also cooking from home. So they didn't realize how hard is it to make a, a simple dish. Um, some of them have never cooked before and they just take it for granted, you know, like, oh, this is just a toast and poached eggs. But if you really do it every day and, you know, you do the cleaning as well and you sauce for it, then you realize it's an easy test but to do it well it takes a long time to honor so yeah I've seen a lot of changes around my area with my customers um, and I think they they really take the time and effort to to be really grateful for 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 us being open for takeaways and I've seen some of my customers struggle um, as well um, I think struggling financially because I'm not the only one who lost all of my jobs and have this casual job. So I've seen them struggling. And it's also, as a community, I feel at the end of the day, if I have a little bit extra, I knock on their doors and, you know, I give them um, groceries or, you know, if there's leftovers and check in on them, ask them how are they. I think that's that's essentially coming together, not just as, a cafe or a restaurant and just be there to feed people but to really ask how are you how are you doing um yeah I think that's that that's how growing is like so I I know that you're a real believer in the various powers that food can have and and the giving of food the cooking of food can you can you talk about uh your philosophy around the power of food oh wow um food is such an innate um I guess, source of um, energy for me. I, I feel that as a, a cook, a home cook, or even a cook in a cafe or restaurant feeding people, there's that um, capacity to really give out love and care through the way we cook, um, not just from how we feed people from how we mentor others to or you know teach others or pass this dish to someone and go here's the dish um, and then you know put it on a plate for a customer I think that whole journey has a sense of purpose of itself and how you carry that out is also um, very important and I think you could often feel where there's stress in the kitchen and the food comes out, it's perfect, it's wonderful, and you know, the, the chefs put really hard work for it. And at the end of the day, 
if you really look at it, sometimes you can feel, I guess, the heaviness of it, of uh, that high intensity. And sometimes you don't feel it because, you know, the, the restaurant, the cafe itself has this very enclosed area that you don't see the kitchen, but you can see the stress levels from um, the, the staffs as well. And mm. you can often feel in a space already, you walk in and you kind of look at the ambience and be like, oh, this is a really nice place to work at, isn't it? Everyone's really happy. The food's really nice. Everyone's, that's just kind of like, oh, you kind of sit back. But if you're a high intensity area, you can really feel how food becomes like really, yeah, really intense as well. And I think that's important as diners as well when you walk in and you see that and how the seriousness of it all. Um, but at the end of the day, you, you know, food is just food. You you are there to nourish one another. Um, that's how I came about um, loving to feed people with Chinese medicine and the property. Because um, at the end of the day, I, I love to feed people. That's something that I have in my culture. We come together every evening. We we feed one another. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I guess in traditional Chinese medicine, there's so much around the power of food as medicine. I mean, do you do you draw a line between that sort of medicinal properties of some ingredients or just like a yummy bowl of soup or a stew? Um, there is a line, there's a very fine line, depending, I guess, how ill you are. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> and, and they, they do take um, the importance of, you know, food um, and certain ingredients and certain herbs and certain berries, I guess, and spices as well. But not just Chinese medicine. Um, I'm also quite passionate about Ayurvedic. And, you know, even in Melbourne, I'm learning about the Aboriginal culture and how they use their local ingredients to kind of heal themselves. Um, I think it's been forgotten um, and we don't ask ourselves, how do we feed ourselves with the land? Um, and it's really, really easy to take a different culture in and be really enticed by the media of what's new and um, what's the trendy medicine out there, even natural way of life. Um, because how, how marketing have placed it out. But often we have to take a step back and ask, okay, what does the land offer? I mean, I'm studying Chinese medicine in Melbourne um, and I'm fortunate enough to have all these ingredients and it's huge um, Asian society in this, in this area. But I also ask myself often, um, what does the land want to feed me? Um, you know, and just looking at the eucalyptus and the water seed and, you know, going down to the Great Ocean Road, the peninsula, looking at the coast and the salt bush. And there's all this really interesting, to me, really different um, ingredients. And, yeah, I, I want to learn what is natural here as well and what do they use to feed people. So it's really nice to learn. It's really interesting. It's, I think Australia and Melbourne is so lucky to have you here bringing that energy and curiosity and intelligence to all these different aspects of our food culture. I just, I really, I'm so excited. Do you, <laughs> do you see your future here in Melbourne? Oh, yes, I definitely do see um, uh, my future here in Melbourne and a certain sustainability and longevity here. There's just so much to learn from everyone. 
Um, I think that's the beauty about living in Melbourne is that um, there's the Asian side here, but there's also the Greek Italian side, and you know, there's always the Anglo Saxon. And I lived in UK before, so I understand that, and I can see a slight change coming over right now with what's happening with um, the isolation, how I've been learning about everyone's different way of life and how we could slowly adapt to the changes. Um, and this is beautiful impermanence of how, yeah, we can grow better as a community from where we, we are. So I'm going to ask you something. I haven't given you any warning but I reckon there'll be a lot of people <laughs> listening to this that will be very inspired and curious about the things that you're able to teach people. So I just wonder, could you give us a little breathing exercise? Just just give people the opportunity to punctuate their day, find a little bit of space and give us give us some good breathing, breathing work. Yeah, definitely. We could do a couple of minutes of um, breathing work. So wherever you are listening to us right now, um, just come to slow, gentle seat, or if you're standing, just ground your feet into the earth. If you're standing right now, try to feel into your big toe, um, both of your big toes, and your pinky toes as well. Just have a sense. And slowly coming to the arches of your feet and to your ankles. Slowly bend your knees, just very gentle, micro bending them. Standing still. Take an inhale and really ground your feet very so slightly. To exhale, I want you to stay right there, but lengthen up your neck. Now if you're sitting down, you can cross your legs. Or if you're on your feet, you can bend your knees. Take a long inhalation in, really suck into your belly. But let your belly button stay right there and you exhale, really just gently drop your shoulders. Only breathing through your nose. Take an inhalation in through both of your nostrils. And to exhale very gently through your nostrils. Ground your feet if you're standing. Really gently loosen up your belly button if you're sitting. Inhale again through your nose. And slow exhale, gently drop your shoulders. Next inhalation, inhale through the back of your spine into your shoulders, lengthen up your crown. Imagine a long string pulling 
the crown of your head into the space beyond feeling tall and to exhale maintaining that length in your neck but just very gently draw your shoulders down inhale again through your chest Exhale through your nose. Inhale through your nose. Maintaining that length through the crown of your head. Easy exhale, drop your shoulders. Two more breaths at your own pace. The next exhalation, just slowly, gently come back to the space in your belly button and if you can take your palms together and give it a nice little rub if your eyes still close just rub your hands creating some warmth and take your palms and cup your eyes and feel the warmth of your palms in your eye socket very gently take a long breath in again with your palms still on your eyes, eyes still closed. And as you exhale, drop your palms, slowly open up your eyes. Wow. You're amazing. You're amazing. I can't believe you just did that and took <laughs> me into another space and I open my eyes and I can see these apples and lemons and oranges in a bowl and they are glowing they are look such clear intense outlines <laughs> I can see, yeah raindrops on the branches outside and yeah everything just has a little bit of an extra glow and looks a bit more 3d so thank you so much for doing that on the spur of the moment and taking us into a different zone and letting us come back out the other side a little bit better and calmer and more grounded. Uh, Denise, I think you're amazing. I, I am so glad that coronavirus has allowed us to meet. Uh, so I know that people are going through some super hard times and there's, yeah, it's uh, not everything about it is good, that's for sure. But there are good things to appreciate along the way and thank you for drawing our attention to them. Thank you for having me, Danny. <laughs> I'm really glad I shine some spur the moment light and droplets to your life today. <laughs> you certainly did. All right, we'll talk again <laughs> soon. Thank you. Sure. You take care. This is Dirty Linen, and I'm Danny Valant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about. We spend a week thrashing around each issue hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au 
or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This is a Deep in the Weeds production.